Good morning, world. Welcome to a special episode of Zen Dependently Minded. Just a heads up, this is going to be a hybrid episode. The first half, I'm just going to really be talking about current events like normal. Really, the only current event I'm going to be talking about is Roe v. Wade. And the second half is going to be my first UFC main card predictions part in uh, in a long time. This is the first time I've done a UFC or just combat sports episode in general. So just a heads up, if you're only looking for UFC stuff, skip to the second half. If you're not listening to the UFC stuff and you want to hear my opinion on Roe v. Wade, listen to the first half. So before we get into the episode, here's a brief word from our sponsor. How's it going, guys? It's your boy. Brett Kavanaugh, back at it with another episode of Independently Minded. So, as I said in the intro, this episode is going to be hybrid. Uh, I'm not going to do these often. I'm only doing it because I really, you know, there weren't there's there wasn't a lot of current events for me to really fill up an entire episode to make it worth your while to listen to this podcast for. So, uh, the first half is going to really just be my reaction to Roe v. Wade being overturned and. Second half is going to be me doing an entire main card prediction for UFC 276, which is a super stacked card. I've been wanting to get back into doing combat sports podcasts for a while, and this is actually the best opportunity that I've that's presented itself in a in a while. This episode was supposed to be done. This is I'm officially recording this on Saturday, July 3rd. It's 12. It's um, afternoon here in Germany. So this episode will go up before the fights actually take place at four in the morning, four in the morning here and like in the evening for people in America. But I was going to do this episode. I was going to record this earlier this week, like three or four days ago, but I've been completely super busy at work. Crazy, crazy, um, busy, been working late, extra long, going into work extra early. So I just, there was no time. There was no way for me to record a podcast. There was absolutely no time. So anyways, this is my first day, uh, where I actually have free time. So Let's get into it. So, Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was a decision that was voted on in 1973, and it officially got overturned about eight days ago. So, it was uh, a week ago Friday. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy around the United States. You have a lot of states that really, like a few minutes after it was the, the, the decision was overturned officially, there were states that were that put an outright ban on abortion. I know Mississippi was like, I think the first state to do it. Um, I'm sure many more states followed. Um, but there's just, there's been, you know, a storming of the Supreme Court building. There's been riots all across the United States. There's been a bunch of outrage, a bunch of washed up, irrelevant celebrities are coming out in droves, expressing their outrage. I know, Unfortunately, uh, my favorite band of all time is Green Day, and the lead singer Billy Billy Joe Armstrong he just renounced his uh, American citizenship and said that he's going to move to the UK, which I I hope that one of his friends is is smart enough and good of, good enough of a friend to to let him know that the abortion laws in the UK and the abortion laws in Europe are almost completely across the board, more strict than the United States. So I hope someone tells him, obviously he's not going to actually do it. Green Day has put out garbage after garbage after garbage for the past, like, I want to say 10 years. And their last album was completely atrocious, unlistenable, not a single second of that 
album was listenable. And that's coming from the biggest Green Day fan on the entire planet. So they've been putting out garbage after garbage. And this is just a ploy to sell more tickets and to get more attention. And it'll work for the first 10 to 20 shows. And then people are going to realize, oh, this music's still dog shit. Let's just continue to listen to American Idiot and and Dookie and all, all the classic albums that they've made. It's pathetic. The 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 celebrity out outcry has been pathetic, as has the pro choice outcry. I have shared my opinion on abortion many times, and I'll share it again for the sake of this episode. Me personally, I think abortion is gross. I think it's evil. I think it's horrible. I don't think it should be celebrated. I don't think it should be bragged. I think the people that have parties where they have as many candles on their cake as they've as as they've had abortions. I think those people need to get put in a straitjacket and locked away forever. Abortion is not something to be celebrated. It's not a good thing. It's evil. It's horrible. Anybody who knows what what an abortion entails that isn't a complete demon knows that it's bad. And I feel that most people who are pro-choice, I genuinely believe most people who are pro-choice know this. Most people who are pro-choice are not in favor of zero abortion limits. They're not in favor of abortion up to nine months. They're not in favor of post-birth abortions. But I'm, unfortunately, the people who are logical, pro-choice people, they're not the ones that are the loudest. They're not the ones speaking the most. I have yet to hear a good pro-choice argument in the public sphere, on Twitter, on Facebook. Everybody's been putting out horrible takes, and I'll be sharing my favorite of them later. Um, so, I personally believe, all that being said, I, I, I don't like abortion, personally. I will never encourage my wife to get an abortion, under any circumstance. I will never pay for my wife to get an abortion, under any circumstance. Well, maybe I should take that back. There, there might be a circumstance in which I would, and that's if it's a, I, I believe it's called an atropic pregnancy. So if the baby is going to not live through birth, or my wife's not going to live through the birth, that is the only instance in which we might consider an abortion, of course. it's That's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. So I shouldn't have said uh, under no circumstance. But those are, those are minute instances. Anyways... I will never personally encourage my wife to get an abortion. I'll never pay for an abortion, uh, except for that one rare circumstance that I brought up. That's as far as I'll take it. That's me personally. I'm never going to sit here and tell people what they should do with their bodies. Unfortunately, it's not just my body, my choice when it comes to this, because it is life. There is something growing inside of you. There is something that, after it's developed for a, a few months, it can live on its own. Babies are being born way earlier into pregnancies than they've ever been. And yeah, there it's it's a life. Every single pro-choice argument that I've been hearing, the brain dead ones that I've been seeing on Facebook, there are people saying, oh, it's not a life. It's not a life. It's not a baby. It's not life. Uh, therefore, it's my body. It's a parasite. I've heard one of the worst takes I've heard is that it's a parasite and you need to rid your body of it or whatever. Well, that parasite that you call quote unquote came from you being an adult, making an, ad an adult decision to have sex. Unless, of course, in the rare instance, less than 1% of abortion cases, you were raped. Or uh, it was a product of incest. Anyway, that's as far as I will go personally. I'm not going to sit here 
and take my beliefs on abortion being disgusting and evil and demonic in every single way, shape, or form. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to push that on other people. That's how I feel personally. That's how I've always felt. I wish we lived in a perfect world where 100% of babies are born healthily. 100% of the women who give birth come out completely unscarred. Well, not unscarred, but they get, they're able to give birth and not die. I wish there was responsibility on... I was. I wish there were seeds of responsibility that were sown into everybody's brain to where they weren't... They didn't feel like, oh, you know, I can go have sex unprotected with someone that I don't want to live the rest of my life with or I don't see as a good father or a husband or family man or whatever and then decide, oh, this is my backup plan. I'm just going to either go to the clinic and get an abortion because I decided to make a stupid decision or I'm going to fly to a state to where... Uh, it can be, it can be done or my, my, my job will pay for it or whatever. I wish we lived in a perfect world where abortions didn't have to occur. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world and they do happen. They will continue to happen even with Roe v. Wade being overturned. That is not a strong argument for abortion though, to be like, oh, you know, even if you make it illegal, it's going to happen anyways. Well, it's the same with murder. <laughs> murder is illegal, but it still happens anyways. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have laws to prevent it or restrictions. So, yeah, I am completely fine with Roe v. Wade being, with abortion being up to states. I think just like with, with the EU, most states, most countries in the EU have abortions up to 12 weeks and the only instances in which you and when you can get an abortion is when you have the woman's life is at risk or the baby's life's at risk or the baby's not going to be viable when it's born or it's a result of rape or incest. Those are the only instances. If you were a stupid idiot, you got drunk and you had sex with your ex and you got pregnant, that's that doesn't fly in most of the EU. It doesn't fly in most of the EU. It needs to the the pregnancy has to be a detriment on the health of the baby or the or the woman or both for it to even be considered in the EU. So that's how I think it should be in the United States. That's how I feel personally. I know that's never going to happen. I'm sure there are holes that you could poke in my argument, but I believe in the instance of rape and incest or the woman's life's at risk or the baby is not viable. Those are the only instances in which I th when, when, and when I think abortion is acceptable. And even then, I think it's horrible. I think it's horrible that for nine months, you've had to go through hell as a woman. You have morning sickness. You have cramps. You have a bait. You have a, a, a bulging stomach. You you're eating extra. You you feel bloated. Just for the baby to not be viable. Just for the baby to be miscarried, or just for the baby to be born stillborn, or whatever. That's horrible. I think it's horrible in every instance. I think when a woman is assaulted, when a kid is assaulted, and their life is completely changed, that's horrible. I think it's a it's a very emotional, emotionally driven topic. I think it's one that needs to be explored with nuance. And anybody who comes and says, oh, if you're completely pro-life, you don't care about kids who are getting raped. You don't care about, uh, you know, poor people that are raised around incest and their uncle gets them pregnant or whatever. You just want to control women. You think we should live in Handmaiden's Tale, blah, blah, blah. And anybody who says... Oh, everybody who wants to get an abortion is a demon. Everybody who wants to get an abortion or is pro, pro-choice agrees with no restrictions on abortion and believes they should be, they can be aborted up to three years old or whatever.
anybody who talks like that instantly stop listening to them because they're already going in closed-minded. They're already not exploring this topic with nuance and you can't trust them. So like I, like I stated earlier, pre, uh, personally, I will not support or encourage or pay for an abortion except for under that rare circumstance where my wife will die if she gives birth. That's the only instance in which I would, I would have to explore it. And then in that point, this is something that people are not understanding. Abortion should not be a political issue. It should be a doctor issue. You should be talking to your doctor. It should stay with, within the, the confines of the doctor's office and it should stay between you and your family. It's a decision that you ultimately will be making for yourself and for the baby. Nobody on Facebook, nobody on Twitter, nobody on Instagram, nobody on TikTok should know that you are getting an abortion. You shouldn't brag about it. You shouldn't be proud of it. And I know most people are not. Most people are not happy when they've cared for and raised a baby in their stomach. And then ultimately a horrible decision has to be made. A tough decision that will change your life forever. That's how I feel about abortion. Like I said, in good faith, and I, I, I truly believe this. I've talked to so many people who are who claim to be quote-unquote pro-choice and they agree. Abortion is a, is a terrible, terrible thing. It's a sad thing. It's an uncomfortable thing. It's a life-changing thing. And it should only be used in minute, rare circumstances. And that's how I feel about it. Unfortunately, like I said, I am pro-life, personally. I am pro-life, personally. But I can make a better pro-choice argument, like I just did the previous 12 and a half minutes of this episode, than I have heard of every single pro-choice person... Okay, first of all, I think it's really weird when I see single dudes who I know are not getting laid. This is the reason why they're so outspoken about abortion. They're constantly like, we shouldn't celebrate 4th of July because we don't. We shouldn't celebrate a country that doesn't take care of its citizens, that doesn't allow people to go abort babies up to six months because they had a cocaine bender and they decided to have sex, they decided to have a gangbang, they don't know who the father is, they got a, a certificate in women's studies and they don't know what to do with their lives, they need to kill the baby. People like that, that come up with crazy-ass arguments and crazy-ass scenarios that, like I said, they're, they're real, but they're irrational. They're not common. They're rare. And yes, someone who gets raped, as rare as that happens, uh, someone who gets raped and gets pregnant and wants to have an abortion, just because it's rare doesn't mean that those people don't matter. That's not what I'm trying to say. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, there are a lot of single men out there that are pretending to be outraged over Roe v. Wade being overturned because they think that it'll get them laid. And it's even weirder when I see people who are like too old to have kids anyways that are men. They have a wife and they have a beautiful family and they're still mad about it. I've seen people who are talking about that this is actually not abortion rights. It's on the right to privacy and all this bullshit. Um... I don't want to immediately assume it's bullshit. I haven't looked into it enough and I don't care enough to look into it because I've decided already how much, how I feel about it. And I don't care what other people do. Like I said, I wish we lived in a perfect world where abortions didn't have to be, didn't have to occur, but they do. And there's nothing that I can do to stop it. But I know I can do as much as I can for my own household and my own family. Um, like I said, I've been, I've been hearing the worst arguments. You know, I did see a graphic, um, some stupid family member posted where it was like, oh, what they want is this, and it showed The Handmaid's Tale, and then it was like, what they're gonna get, and it showed uh, Princess Leia and Wonder Woman and Mulan, which I haven't actually seen the new Mulan, but I read about it, and I heard about it from people who have watched it. The The live-action Mulan is not a feminist icon uh, movie. It shouldn't be, because she doesn't even get her powers from being a, a, a feminine, powerful, 
single independent woman. She gets it from quote-unquote magic. She gets it from magic. She doesn't... Nothing about what she does is because she's a woman. It's because she has magic. She couldn't even do it as, a, as an ordinary woman. She had to have magic to assist her. So that's a pathetic meme. I think it's retarded. Women and men need each other. Men can't live without women. Women can't live without men. We just need to settle settle there. That's that's those are facts. Um I saw another meme where it was like if it was about the children, then we would have free diapers and free formula and free baby wipes and free pacifiers and free baby clothing and all this shit. So the argument that they're making is because I'm not getting free shit for the baby that I got pregnant with by choice, by having sex with my husband without having a condom or without being on birth control or whatever, because I'm not getting free shit, I need to have the right to murder this baby. I, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing the, the, I'm not seeing the, the truth, the, the logic in this argument. If it was about children, then everybody else would pay for my pregnancy. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. That's, one of the one of the worst arguments I've seen, I've seen, you know, people talking about a moment. I I don't actually know if this is true or not. I'm sure that there is some validity to it. I think it's a little too extreme. I don't think it would ever happen. But I know people are saying now contraception and birth control can be, can be, uh, can be outlawed. I I I don't think it's going to go that far. I don't think that the rest of the Supreme Court justices would even be in favor of, you know outlawing um birth control and and condoms and stuff like that but i just all i know is the over over under you know probably it's a betting favorite you can put up a hundred or a thousand bucks and you can bet your ass that the riots that are ensuing right now will probably break the record for the previously held longest concurring riots in american history which was when george floyd got knelt on and got killed in the summer of 2020, we had the longest consecutive riots in American history, probably going to get surpassed. And like I said, I know the pro-choice argument. I I wholeheartedly not support. No, I whole, I don't wholeheartedly agree, but I wholeheartedly support. And I completely agree and can see from your point of view why you're pro-choice. Politically, I'm pro-choice. Personally, I am pro-life. That's just, that's how it, that's how I've always been. I've, like I said, I've, I've yet to hear a good, compelling pro-life argument, uh, pro-choice argument from anybody that has been as outraged as people have been for the past couple days. But that all being said, that's really all the current events that I've wanted to talk about. Just to sum it up, it's a personal decision. It's a decision between you and your family and your doctor. And you shouldn't be going on Facebook talking about your abortion. You shouldn't be going on Facebook asking for advice. None of these people have your best, uh, you know, your uh, best interest. And yeah, mind your own business. That's that's how I feel. I'm minding my own business. So that's going to end the first part of this episode. The next part of the episode is just going to be me breaking down, doing a little bit of analysis for each fight, and predicting the outcome of... The entire main card of UFC 276. So, if you're not interested in hearing me talk about men and women beating the shit out of each other and kicking kicking each other in the face, then end this episode. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the next one. So, UFC 276. 
stacked card, stacked event. I believe it would have been more stacked. I believe Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori were supposed to fight on this card. That ended up getting moved because I think Robert Whitaker was injured. So let me pull up this card real quick. I'm eating some ripe pineapple. Good ass pineapple. Um, all right. There are actually a couple prelims fights I want to talk about. So we're really only one. So Jim Miller and Cowboy. So this is most definitely whether it's a win or loss. I, I'm hoping more if it's a win that that this is Cowboy uh, Cowboy's last fight. Cowboy's going to fight Jim Miller. He was originally going to fight Joe Lozon, I believe. I think they made that fight twice, and then it ended up no, it wasn't Joe Lozon, was it? I gotta I gotta figure this out. Yeah, so Joe Lozon and Cowboy. We're booked to fight each other twice, and then I believe um, the first time Cowboy had to pull out because of weight cut issues or something like that, and then Joe Lozon got injured, and Dana White decided, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to make this fight anymore. Jim Miller was supposed to fight somebody. That person pulled out, so now we have Jim Miller versus Cowboy. This is going to be an interesting fight because Jim Miller has been on a tear. He's kind of had a, a second you know, career resurgence. Uh, let me look at his... He's had two impressive knockout wins in a row, and he's been submitting people just like he has his entire career. He's he's been he's just been one of those guys. He's been a, a fan favorite of mine for a long time, and he's a solid guy. He's been he's been really impressive as of lately. And then Cowboy, of course, he's on a, a terrible, terrible stretch of like five or six losses in a row and then one draw. The guy has just had he just hasn't had, you know, the tide turning his way lately. But, and I don't think it's, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to turn out in Cowboy's favor in this fight either. I, Cowboy has notoriously been a slow starter. Jim Miller doesn't come out the gate swinging. But I just think Jim Miller is, at his point in his career, he's been beat up less. He's been in kind of almost, I think, the same amount, uh, only a couple fights less than Cowboy. Um, but I just, I just think Cowboy's too, he's too slow. His reflexes are shot. His chin is shot and he's too slow of a starter. I just think Jim Miller is just too well-rounded for Cowboy. And I think ultimately Jim Miller's going to win. I believe he's going to beat him. Uh, probably he's going to win a decision. He's going to completely dominate Cowboy and win a three round decision. So moving on to the main card. Very first card of the of the main card. Thank God we don't have Misha Tate and Lauren Murphy, because lordy, lordy, lord, we don't need that shit. Like I said, the main card starts at 4, 4 a.m. here, 4 a.m. on a Sunday. If I stay up, and the very first fight of the card that I've stayed up all day for is Misha Tate and Lauren Murphy, I'm not going to make it through. I'm not going to make it uh, another another five minutes, because both of these two girls haven't finished anybody in 100,000 years. Misha Tate... Let me see. She she's decided to make a comeback, and she's been oh she 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 knocked someone out last year. But anyway, Misha Tate's a boring fighter. She's not who she used to be. Lauren Murphy is a bum. She's like a, a diner waitress. She's not a bum. Okay, she's not a bum. She's just not that entertaining. This is going to be a sleepy, boring fight. I believe. I don't see any fireworks coming because. Like I said, Lauren Murphy's never been in an entertaining fight in her life, including the one where she got her ass kicked for four rounds by Valentina Shevchenko. 
Anyway, I don't really need to talk about this fight because it's been canceled. So, very first fight of the main card, guaranteed to be a banger, Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz. So, for those of you guys who don't know, Pedro Munoz has fought some of the best guys in the history of the UFC. He's knocked out, he knocked out former champion Cody Garbrandt when Cody Garbrandt was on a terrible skid. Um, he's never been knocked out in his entire career. And I, I don't even think he's been knocked down, at least in the UFC. I was looking at the stats last night. He's never even been knocked down. So this is a serious step up in competition, not because of that aspect, but just as far as the rankings go. This is a huge step up in competition for Sean O'Malley. This is something that I think will really catapult him into bigger, uh, more, to become much more of a star than he already is. People have been waiting, including myself, for Sean to actually fight someone that isn't a can. Last person he fought was uh, Rolion. Uh, it's that that one guy who I thought was pretty good. I thought that up until that point, that was uh, Sean's toughest opponent. And then he, of course, Sean knocked him out and did what he did in the first round. Um, yeah, this is a huge step up for Sean. Uh, Sean is a headhunter. He is a sharpshooter. He's got some serious length advantage over over Pedro. So he almost has 20 centimeters over over Pedro Munoz, which I don't know what that is in freedom measurements, but Sean has the advantage when it comes to distance, when it comes to striking. I believe he's a better striker, but Pedro Munoz also has enough power to be able to knock people out. He's knocked out Cody Garbrandt. Granted, everybody and their mom's knocked out Cody Garbrandt lately, but Pedro has obviously more experience. He's been in the UFC much longer. He's almost fought as many times as Sean, but he's been in the UFC longer. And I want to look at his grappling stats. Nothing really sticks out to me too much. He has a couple submission wins. But I'm going to give the grappling advantage to Pedro Munoz. Uh, whether he can get a hold of Sean and take him down, we'll, we'll, you know, we're going to see. We're going to find out uh, in, a, in a few hours. But I, let's see. I want to look at where Pedro is ranked. So Pedro is ranked number nine. In the bantamweight division, and I think Sean O'Malley is ranked. Let's see, he's ranked number thirteenth. So, number aside, this is by far the uh, 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 this is a, the biggest and best competition that Sean has fought. But ultimately, I think Sean is going to piece up Pedro. I don't think he's going to be able to put him away. I think Sean is going to piece up Pedro for the entire fight. I think Pedro is going to keep trying to push. Sean up against the fence and try to unload some bombs on him, probably try to get in some trips to take him down to neutralize his striking. But I think at the end of the day, Sean is just too sharp. I think he's too good. He's 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 younger, he's quicker, and I just think overall he's a better fighter. So I think Sean is going to win by decision, and I really don't think that Pedro's gonna have many highlights in this fight. So the next fight I want to talk about. So we have Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barberina. So this is also another fighter that I hope, I, I really hope this is the last fight that we see from, from Robbie Lawler. I'm a huge fan of Robbie Lawler, as is everybody who's ever seen him fight. Every time he fights, he fights his heart out. It's almost always guaranteed violence, except for when he fought Kobe Covington, and I believe when he fought Neil Magny, he got completely wrestled to death. I'm not sure how I feel about this fight. Brian Barberina, uh, you know, he wins some and he loses some. He's been in the UFC for a while. 
He's never really put together an impressive win streak. I believe he's on a one win and a one loss streak recently. It's It was a decision win. He's a tough dude. He's a tough dude. He doesn't get hit much and he doesn't get he doesn't get slept often. He doesn't get he doesn't get rocked often. Often he doesn't get knocked down often. The last time I believe he was knocked out was in 2019, which was a rough year for him. But Robbie Lawler, Robbie Lawler has he looks sharp. He's always looked sharp. Granted, he fought Nick Diaz where they completely didn't didn't you know didn't defend any strikes the entire fight. The fight went on for, uh, what was it? It was one or two rounds that that fight went on. Um, Robbie Lawler looked pretty decent in that. Granted, he wasn't fighting a wrestler. If Brian Barberina tries to wrestle him, Robbie Lawler is is just a rag doll when he when he gets when he's on when he's in bottom position. He just is like a rag doll. Um, I hope that this fight stays standing up, and I hope that Robbie Lawler wins. Do I think Robbie Lawler's gonna win? I'm not sure. Robbie Lawler has this interesting style of kind of bobbing and weaving. Really, every time his opponents throw strikes at him, he bobs and he weaves and he tries to roll uh, roll with the strikes so they don't really do too much damage. And, you know, I think that's what he's going to be able to do. I think he's going to put the pressure on Brian and he's going to keep moving forward. He's going to bob and weave. And I think he's going to land some pretty nasty shots on Brian. Brian uh, Brian's probably going to clinch Robbie a lot. And ultimately, I think Robbie Lawler is going to do the job, and he's going to he's going to significantly outstrike Brian strike Brian Barberina, and I think he's going to win by decision. So moving on to the next fight, this is a fight that I've been kind of grappling with, uh, for lack of a better word, the past couple days, the past week since since the fight was announced. Really, I've kind of been towing the line on who I think is going to win this fight, and after doing a serious dive. On Alex Pereira's film, I do genuinely believe that he has the upper hand in this fight. So, obviously, Alex Pereira, he was named one of the most dangerous middleweight kickboxers on the entire planet for a long time. It was between him, um, this guy named Jason, who beat him and beat Adesanya, Jason Elnis, I believe his name is. So, between those three and uh, Stylebender, they're like the best strikers on the entire planet when it comes to the middleweight division. That's what I believe wholeheartedly. There's no one in the UFC that I think can go toe-to-toe striking with Alex Pereira other than Israel Adesanya. So Alex Pereira obviously has the upper hand when it comes to striking. The dude has a nasty left hook. Left hook. His left hook put out Adesanya. He's put out all of his opponents, I think, in the UFC with, with the left hook. Well, he's only knocked out. I think he's had two fights in the UFC. One of them was a decision win and one was a KO. And the KO, I believe, was a left hook. The guy's got scary power, deceptive power. You look at him, and sometimes you look at like you look at the hook that he knocked out Adesanya with. It was like it didn't. He did. There was no wind up. It was just very technical, very fluid. Um, he put all his power into his hips, and he let that bitch go, and he knocked out Adesanya with it cold. One of the few people who has ever defeated Adesanya, let alone knocked him out. Sean Strickland, on the other hand, he has the upper hand in grappling, I believe, but I just don't think he's going to grapple early enough to neutralize Pereira. I think Pereira's going to start piecing him up, and then he's going to try to push forward, he's going to try to grapple, he's going to try to clinch with him and take him down, but I think ultimately it's going to be too late. And I know Alex knows that he doesn't have the advantage when it comes to grappling, so he's going to be prepared, I'm sure his takedown defense is going to be tuned, and I just think Sean is too crazy and he's too stupid to shoot early on. 
I think the best thing that Sean could do is immediately, without throwing a jab, go for a takedown. I think he needs to weather the storm very early on, take Alex down early on, and tire him out. So his, so his strikes are slower, so his reflexes are slower, and so he can continue to grind and throw volume strikes like, he, like he's known for. Sean is not a guy that's known for KOing people, uh, and he, he's, he's just a guy with a lot of volume. He pours it on, he's constantly moving forward, he has a wide variety of strikes a lot of people sleep on. He, he likes to, you know, snap a jab, snap a couple jabs, throw a body kick, throw a leg kick, throw a right hook. He, he's not a one-hitter quitter, but he's a guy that has a, a versatile striking arsenal. And I, it's just, I, I just don't think that if he stands there and he bangs with Alex Pereira, he's going to make it out alive. So... This is one that's going to be, that's difficult for me to pick, but I do ultimately think that Alex Pereira is going to win, and I think he's going to win by knockout. I think that he can knock out Sean Strickland in the second or third round, so I'm going to go with the third round, have us be on our toes, maybe have Sean take him down one or two times, have it be really close, and then ultimately Sean's going to feel the crowd, uh, in his crazy detached brain of his, he's going to think he's going to just start swinging on uh, Alex, and he's going to get caught. Alex is just too smart, too intelligent, too technical of a striker to get in any stupid, dangerous exchanges with Sean Strickland. So I ultimately think Alex Pereira is going to knock out Sean Strickland in the third round. All right, moving on to the last two fights, we have a co-main event between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. So this obviously is the third fight between these guys. Alexander Volkanovsky clearly... Well, as far as the judges go, in my opinion, I think it's disputed, but the first two fights went Alexander Volkanovsky's way. First time was when he took the belt from Max. Second time was when he defended the belt against Max. First fight, I believe, was a clear victory for Alex. I don't think there's any disputing that. I think he he chewed up Max's leg kicks, barely got touched up by Max. Max looked weird in that fight, and then also... He landed a bunch of takedowns to really clinch the championship rounds, the fourth and fifth rounds. Second fight, I think Max won. Second fight, I think he avoided the leg kicks a lot better. He knocked down Volkanovski twice as brief as they were. One of them was leg kick and one of them was like a short short hook or something like that. I just, I think Max should have got the belt back. But whatever. It is, it is what it is. I can totally see why that fight was uh, scored that way. It was a really close fight, so I don't think there was any robbery involved. Since then, Max beat the living shit out of Calvin Cater, and then he beat the crap out of Yair Rodriguez. And now he's getting, I believe, this this could be his final featherweight title shot. I think it should be his final fight if he loses as well. Max Holloway, people forget, okay? People are always quick to remember Max Holloway has the most strikes landed in UFC history, most significant strikes landed in UFC history, most significant and most strikes landed in a single fight, but he also has the most significant and regular strikes absorbed in UFC history. He's notorious. He has the greatest chin in UFC history, I believe. Him and John Jones. But I think he's been hit cleaner than John Jones. Max Holloway moved up to 155 and boxed one of the most powerful boxers in the UFC in Dustin Poirier and did not get knocked down a single time. He has the most rounds, the most fights, most minutes gone without being knocked down, but he's absorbed so many strikes. He's been hit so many times, and sooner rather than later, the chin gives up. 
Max Holloway is only 30 years old, but he has withstood like as much damage, if not more, than someone like Glover Teixeira or Fedor or Randy Couture, someone who's been who's 50 in their 50s, um, bound to sign uh, show signs of CTE soon. I know that he puts a lot of money into his health. He puts a lot of money into doing uh, you know preemptive scans and preemptive uh, tests to make sure that he's you know still safe to fight and he's not he's not giving away years that 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 he could spend with his family later down the line. I just I'm worried for Max, especially seeing how crisp Alexander Volkanovsky's striking has been lately. We know that he can always wrestle, we know that he can always take Max down. There's always the threat of submission, there's a threat of ground and pound um when Alex when Alex comes to the table. But Alex has been openly talking about how he would love to put Max's legendary chin out. He's going to land. He said he's going to land. I believe he's going to land. The guy's just really powerful, and I'm concerned for Max. On the other hand, I'm concerned for Alex also, because Max Holloway is Max Holloway. Every time he takes a life-changing beating, like Dustin Poirier, um, he comes back stronger. He comes back better. After he fought Dustin, I think he came and he defended the belt against Frankie Edgar. Looked great in that fight. Um, after he lost to Volkanovski the second time, he came and he put on a masterclass against Calvin Cater and a masterclass against Yara Rodriguez, who's a hurricane who throws crazy shit. He throws crazy spinning back elbows and he, he tries those Iminari rolls and he does those, uh, whatever you call those kicks, the roaring thunder where you do a front flip and you try to catch someone on the way down with your heel or whatever. He's a crazy guy. And Max was able to stand there and do what he does put on a relentless pressure and beat the shit out of him. So it's just one of those things. One thing that is an X factor for sure is that I've seen Max Holloway more fired up for this fight than I saw him for his previous four fights, for his previous five fights. I haven't seen him this fired up since he fought Dustin Poirier. So I do believe Max is going to go out there and he's going to put his heart on the line. And ultimately, if he does win, I could totally see a fourth fight between these guys. If he loses, I want to see him retire. I don't want to see him move up in weight where he's, you know, he has a light frame. He doesn't have enough power to really do any serious like knockout damage in the 155 pound division. Um, I don't want to see him take beatings by guys who are bigger and stronger. I, I the, the thought of uh, like welterweight frame Conor McGregor cutting weight to 155 and just landing that left on Max just terrifies me. Not that he couldn't take it, but you know. I also don't want to see Connor fight Max again because I think that's a dangerous fight for Connor. But this is a tough one for me, but I'm, I really have to side with the champion. As much as I want to see Max with the gold around his waist again, I just I think Volkanovski is just too sharp. He's too tuned right now. But I think that this is the, these are the two best featherweights on the entire planet, and I think it could go either way. But I think ultimately Volkanovski is going to win. I think Vol- Volkanovski is going to neutralize everything that Max brings to the table. And I ultimately think he's going to win. And I think we're going to see Max Holloway knocked out for the first time. If not, I can see a very close decision that ends up going towards Volkanovski's way, probably because he lands some takedowns in the fourth or fifth round. It's going to look like the first fight with more power bombs thrown in. So, yeah. Volkanovski by knockout. Round four. Moving on to the main event, we have middleweight title fight between Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. So Israel Adesanya has yet to lose a fight in the middleweight division, 
in his entire MMA career. A lot of people try to pretend like he lost against Robert Whitaker in the second fight. Not true. Robert Whitaker took him down a couple times and did absolutely nothing on the ground. Izzy was never in danger on the ground, and Izzy thoroughly outstruck, and it was kind of a high-stakes chess match when it comes to the two best strikers, I believe, in the middleweight division. Adesanya's on a tear. He's one of the most active champions in the entire UFC, and I just think he's too tuned. He's too fine-tuned, like I was talking about with Pereira. There's nobody on the planet that can stand toe-to-toe with Adesanya and win. Adesanya has over a hundred professional fights when it comes to kickboxing, boxing, and MMA. The guy is just too good with striking. You have to spend years and years of your life developing the technical aspects of your striking game from the time you're a kid up until you hit your prime in your late 20s and early 30s to even be close to, to the level of Adesanya. And Jared Cannonier is just not that guy. Jared Cannonier is a great fighter. He is him and Conor McGregor, the three, the two fighters that have had knockouts in three separate weight classes. He used to fight at heavyweight. And he was knocking people out at heavyweight. And he was knocking people out at light heavyweight. And he's knocked people out at middleweight. We saw him d- put the lights out of Derek Brunson, which was a fight that I, I really was worried about for him because of Derek Brunson's weird, weirdly deceptive wrestling. Uh, anyway, Cannoneer's not that guy. Cannoneer is not that guy. Cannoneer needs to land a big shot to win a fight. That's really it. When it comes to going over, uh, going fighting for five rounds, I I've seen Jared Cannoneer tire out against people like Robert Whitaker, where in the fourth and fifth rounds he's just throwing wild strikes. His reflexes aren't there. His strikes are sloppy. They're slow. They're not that powerful. There's no pa- uh, a punch pack behind him. Jared Cannonier is not that guy. He's not the guy to beat Israel Adesanya. I I really think the only threat to Adesanya right now is maybe another fight with uh, Robert Whitaker, maybe another fight with Paulo Costa, maybe a fight with Alex Pereira. Jared Cannonier is not that guy. I think ultimately he's too heavy. He's too front front heavy. Uh, front. He's too heavy on his front foot. I think Izzy is going to systematically. This fight is going to look like Adesanya and Costa. He's going to tear up that front leg. He's going to continue to tear up the front leg. And then he's going to start landing some beautiful counter shots. Some deceptively powerful shots. Shots that don't look like they pop. Uh, they pack a punch. For, for anybody who doesn't know anything about MMA. Just because you're not winding back a shot doesn't mean it's not powerful. Adesanya is going to systematically dismember Jared Cannonier on the feet. And I think Jared will throw in some sloppy... Takedown attempts. Now, here's where it could be dangerous. If Jared Cannonier is able to get his hands on Adesanya and he's able to successfully take him down, I think he could hold him down. And I think he could drop some 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 nasty elbows like he did against Derek Brunson. Granted, he didn't take Derek Brunson down. He, he bashed his face in with a nasty elbow and made, put him on skates. Um, I just... I just I just don't really see many many routes to victory for for Cannoneer, but I do for Izzy. But of course, as always, Cannoneer kind of has the equalizer. He has the one equalizer, which is his his striking, his 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 right hand. He is a powerful guy. If he lands cleanly on Adesanya more than once, he could put Izzy on uh, you know on the back uh, on his back foot backpedaling. So. 
But ultimately, I think Adesanya has more routes to victory. I think those routes are are far easier to reach and far easier to navigate than Jared Cannonier's routes to victory. So ultimately, I think Israel Adesanya is going to win by decision. And yeah, and still. And still for both title fights. Yeah, these uh, these Kiwis, they, they're killing it right now. <laughs> Another Kiwis fighting on the prelims, actually, Brad Riddell, uh, a guy who's got a legendary, legendarily tough chin. Um, but I haven't looked into his opponent enough to know to to really talk about that fight. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Sorry for the irregular and inconsistent podcasting schedule. Like I said, I had COVID and I sounded like I had a million dicks in my mouth, and I've had a crazy work schedule. But I promise you, it's going to be more consistent. And sooner rather than later, I'll have video podcasts again. I just, you know, I finally got my new computer. It's amazing. Super sick. Nice, nice uh, RGB fans on there and everything. So I definitely have the, 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 the hardware to produce some, some cool stuff. But I have some, I have some good things up my sleeve. And you'll be seeing video podcasts and merch and all that stuff soon. But thank you for tuning in. Catch you guys on the next episode. And as always, stay safe, stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you.